Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Welcome, church. It's so good to be with you today. I'm excited to share a message that's very close to my heart with you. I'd like to begin with this question for you to think about. Have you ever noticed that when you walk into somebody's house in their home, you get an idea of what they care about just by having a look around the house? It's taped on the fridge. It's hung on walls. It's found along bookshelves and the small treasures sitting upon tables. You probably have something in your room you're sitting in right now that makes you say, when I see this, I remember. Or maybe you have something weird in your closet. You know, things others would mistake for garbage, but for you, this is a a special memory. It's an old ratty concert tour t-shirt. It's toenails or hair in a jar. It's a glue ball you made and sniffed your way through class 20 years ago, but somehow couldn't release and throw away. And people who care about you, they have attempted interventions. They've said, just please throw it away. Maybe you know someone that you would like to make a collection confession for right now. You wouldn't believe what they've got stored away, what they've been collecting. But before you make your collection confession online, I just want you to take a moment to consider my own. I I have my own collection confession. You see, when my daughter Ambrosia was born, I I put something I care about in her room. It uh, is special to me, but... um, it's a, it's a small collection of rocks. I mean, I, I never intended to become a rock collector. Rocks don't particularly excite me. And this one's, these ones I have in here, they're, they're not special in, in any particular way. They're not fancy. They don't glitter. But it happened. I became a rock collector. One rock at a time. And there's a secret to my rock collection I want to talk about with you today. Because my rocks remind me of hope through the battle. Have you ever felt as if your life has simply somehow wandered into a battle? We might not have planned for it, may not have wanted it, but suddenly we're experiencing a situation of change. And it might be in a relationship, our health, our job. There are all kinds of battles, big ones, small ones, good ones, bad ones. And for me, my rock collection happened as I was going through seasons of battle, through seasons of change, and I would take a long walk on a beach or a hike in the mountain, and I would pick one up at a time. When I was battling for direction, through question, in health crisis, or even a rock that I collected when the doctor said that a baby was impossible. And now it sits in a room. We all have battles, all have experienced struggle and change. And as we enter into our last message of our series of Where Is Your Heart At At, we're going to be talking about the power of hope through the battle. We're talking about hope. 
And this hope is not a wishful thinking kind of hope, such as the blues beating the maroons. I'm talking about a secure hope, what Hebrews 6.18 describes as an assurance and conviction of things not seen. It is a hope that cannot be changed by our circumstance or the size of our situation. Why do we have this sort of hope? Well, Paul says in Romans 8.24, who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience. Patience, because verse 28 says, we know that in all things, God works for those who love him. Now, Paul didn't say all things are good. Only that we can trust, we can have hope that God will ultimately turn our battle towards good. It's like an artist. Sometimes you don't have any idea what they're doing. It's like, how can they turn this into something beautiful? And suddenly it emerges. And as verse 31 concludes in that passage, if God is for us, who can be against us? As we explore 1 Samuel 17, we're going to be reading about another famous battle that has captured the imaginations of so many. The one between David and Goliath. And it's also a story about rocks. And it's framed by a hope that David reveals through his battle. He says to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And when we recognize that that we ourselves are in a battle, there are three principles that I want to draw out from his life today. The first is this, that David was prepared. This wasn't the first rock that he was going to throw in his life. Secondly, he was ready to act. He had a hope that inspired real action. And thirdly, David believed. It wasn't the size of the giant, but the power found in the name of the Lord that would secure his victory. And what's even more amazing for us today is that this hope of David was fully revealed in Jesus who recognizes our own struggle and cares about us as well. He says in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble, but take hope. I have overcome the world. And so as we go about our lives, if we pick up rocks along the road, our heart need not be troubled because we don't need to outsmart our situation. We have hope, not because we need to outwork our trouble. This is not a self-redemption story. This is a Christ-centered story. We have hope because he is the author, the maker, the beginning, and the end. We can trust and have hope. That if we commit to following Jesus through the battle, one day our rock will become a testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness in our lives. We can emerge stronger through the battle. So let me ask you this. Where is your heart at? What rocks do you have in your life? What places of battle do you need hope? I can't think of a more relevant conversation through a time when so many are seeking hope. Hope for justice, for healing, for redemption, for peace. But we will never have the power to sustain these kingdom values in our own strength. We will continue to build towers and monuments, celebrating as if we had suddenly arrived, only to see them torn down again. That's a culture seeking the kingdom without a king. But I believe this is also a moment in history where so many are ready to see Jesus put back on the throne of our lives. And it can start here and now, in our own lives today. 
The power of our hope is available to all of us through the one who comes to fight on our behalf. The question is, are we prepared to follow King Jesus through our battle? Would you pray with me as we begin? Father, as we open your word, I pray you'd open our hearts and minds to receive what you would have us take in today and apply into our own circumstance, our own battle, that we would emerge stronger through it all, and that your light and your hope would shine brighter in this moment, and that all would come and see and celebrate the one true God as King. It's you, Jesus. We love you. Now be with us as we open your word. And God's people said, amen. The story of David and Goliath, it begins with the Philistine army gathering their forces against the Israelites. Now both armies are camped on a hillside and there is a valley between them. And of course, neither army wants to enter that valley because they're immediately, immediately going to be at a disadvantage trying to fight an uphill battle. First Kings chapter 20, we also find that the Philistines are motivated to let Israel come down and fight from a low position because they had this belief that Israel's God was only in control of the hills, but not the valleys. But how many of us know that God is in control of the high places in life as much as the low? So both armies here are on a, at a stalemate. They're just lining up day after day, yelling at each other across the valley. And the Philistines have this champion hero. He's this, this man is a giant. It's captured so many imaginations throughout history. His name's Goliath. And we read about him in 1 Samuel 17, verse 4. It begins, his height was six cubits and a span. That's nine feet, nine inches tall. You don't want to tangle with this guy, right? He had a bronze helmet on his head. He wore a coat of scale armor of bronze. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. Every day, Goliath then is coming out and he's taunting the Israelites. It says in verse 8 that he said, Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight me and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and we kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing this, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. You see, at this time, Saul, he's king over Israel, and he's meant to be the leader, the one who's going to be courageous and step up to the challenge. And David, he's just a shepherd boy. He's the youngest of eight brothers, all of which whom have been called up to the army. But David, he had been left at home. He was actually meant to be at home tending the animals and sometimes delivering food packages to the hungry army. He's like the Uber Eats delivery guy. And he's meant to be delivering the food to the team that's actually meant to be dealing with the battle. And so David arrives this day to camp with his food supplies and he sees the army stepping out for another day of yelling at each other. And it says in verse 20, 
David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were doing. And he, asked, uh, and he was talking with them. And as he was doing, talking with them, Goliath steps out from his lines, and he shouted his usual defiance. And it says that David heard it. David heard it. You ever have a moment in your life when you hear something and you say, that's not right. Somebody ought to do something about that. Well, that's how David felt. And it says he began to ask the men next to him, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, David recognizes the real battle. And it's not as obvious as it seems. And maybe you know what it's like to have a conflict in a relationship or something where you thought it was about one thing and you didn't recognize recognize it was about something totally different altogether. And all you husbands, married men out there are like, he's preaching to me today. (laughs) All the Israelite soldiers, they're quaking in fear because from their perspective, they see this as a battle between two armies. They see a giant. They see a dark valley, and they are paralyzed by fear. But David recognizes a different kind of battle unfolding. You see, this is not a battle between two armies. This is a battle between the Philistines and the plans of God. He cries, who should defy the armies of the living God? Not King Saul, not Israel, but God. And David's awkward, odd insult of Goliath. It's not just a a crude remark. It has to do with being a people marked by destiny. He's remembering the plans of God for a bigger purpose that God has in mind for Israel yet ahead. Did you know that God has a purpose for your life ahead beyond the battle that you're facing? Our first steps towards recognizing the reality of hope through our battle is gaining God's perspective. And it means allowing God's truth and his word to penetrate our hearts and minds as we spend time in scripture. To prayerfully ask God, Lord, what is it you would have me do in the situation I am in? How am I to grow? How am I to follow you through the battle? And when we do this like David, practicing these habits soon enables us to see things that others do not see, to recognize opportunities when others see giants. And while others are shrinking back, we're prepared to move forward with hope. And God begins to do something amazing in our life as we step forward towards a promise. But don't be surprised when you find that there are people around us in our lives that will discourage us from moving forward because there's an uncomfortable implication that maybe they should be too. Listen to this, verse 28. David's eldest brother, oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men and he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? He's saying, this is not your battle. You're about to be over here. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, says David? Can't I even speak? Sounds like a younger brother. 
What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. See, battlefields are not a time of spiritual neutrality. You will either grow through the battle and emerge stronger or become weaker. See, crisis has this way of testing our faith and we either shrink back or push forward. We get off track or grow towards a greater purpose yet ahead. The word for both testing and temptation in the Greek New Testament is actually the same word. The way it's rendered is by way and the one and the way the one chooses to respond. Theologian Daryl Johnson translates, therefore, the end of the Lord's Prayer like this. He says, in my time of testing, may I not be tempted to not trust in your goodness and faithfulness. You see, David trusts in God's goodness and faithfulness. It's a hope he's prepared to push forward with. And he might have woken up thinking he was just delivering lunch that day. And maybe we find ourselves in in a battle that we didn't expect or want But suddenly we find ourselves having to make a choice between fear or faith. A fear that will cause us to run and hide. And we might hide in an addiction. We might hide in a temporary comfort. We might run from the issues that we're meant to be deal with. We might hear the voice and say, yeah, that's my battle over there. I better go back away. But the truth is, We have an enemy that will never be content to see us actually escape. Our giants will follow us. But we also have a choice that might move us towards faith. A faith that puts our hope in the Lord where we can say, I don't have to like my battle, but it's here, it's arrived. And I'm choosing to follow the Lord until he leads me to a place of victory. And when that's where our heart is at, the time will come where we will emerge stronger through the battle. See, David is prepared to move forward. But King Saul, who's meant to be the courageous leader, then offers probably what is the worst pep talk I've ever heard in the history. It says this in verse 33. King Saul says, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. He's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant He's been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, put on a coat of armor on him, and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he wasn't used to them. He said, I cannot go in these because I'm not used to them. And so he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from a stream and he put them in a pouch of a shepherd's bag And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. There are three things that stand out for me as we prepare for battle in this section. The first is this, know your hope. 
know your hope. David knew a hope beyond the discouraging words of the people around him, beyond the crowds, the brother, King Saul, because all he was hearing was, David, you don't have what it takes. You know what? David already knew that. But David's hope was not in the weapons or the army, not in his own strength. It was in the Lord. I think maybe one of the problems with Saul's early success in his life was that he began to believe in a self-redemption story that says, if you want to hope for success, you need to work harder, be better, earn it, prove it, deserve it. Put on this armor. Carry these weapons. And while Saul is trying to fit David into his self-redemption story, he says, it just won't fit. I've got to take them off. And whatever the crowd says, there are moments in life where we have to wake up and recognize the same thing, to take off the expectation and a perspective or any idea that we have hope anywhere else other than the Lord. There is no other name that will secure our victory. And if you don't know our hope, we don't know our hope, our life will just be tossed around from one opinion, one social media post, one podcast to the next. We have to know our hope. The second thing is this, win our private battles. The only reason David is prepared for a public battle is because of what had happened in his private victories. See, he tells Saul, it was out in the wilderness when nobody was watching and nobody was looking that I learned to put my hope in the Lord. The word paw and hand and the Hebrew are the same. So David is in fact making a statement. He's saying it's not the size of the enemy. It's not the strength of the battle. It doesn't matter my situation or crisis. What matters is the one who's fighting on my side. He says the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. If God is on our side, who can stand against us? And so often we publicly celebrate those who seem to have arrived at the promise, but there was a process. There was preparation happening in our wilderness when nobody was looking. And maybe people didn't think our life was going anywhere or would amount to anything. That you were just the Uber Eats shepherd boy. But God saw in you the makings of a king and David was prepared to go through the process. Everyone loves talking about the process, the victory, the destination, but it's the private battles that prepares us to get there. The third thing is this, remember your rocks. You know, I wonder what David was thinking as he picked up those five smooth stones from the riverbed. I imagine him mentally preparing, feeling the texture of the rocks, remembering battles of past, you know, sometimes there are moments in life where we might try to hide from battles or people who care about us, they try to protect us from them. But those are actually moments God is using us to prepare for something bigger yet ahead. David picks up his five rocks, selects them with hands of experience, like memories carrying hope through what was to come ahead. And maybe you know what that's like. To remember, there was that rock where I learned to trust God with my future. There was the rock that taught me to follow when it was much easier to run. A rock when I battled through depression, through addiction, through crisis. 
And in that place, God was arming me, training me, preparing me for things that were greater yet ahead. And so we remember our rocks. The time to act in battle had come. The armies gather and David steps out to face Goliath. And David shouts in verse 45, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. As the Philistines moved in closer to attack them, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, taking out the stone, he slung it and it struck the Philistine on the forehead. And he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword. And when the Philistines saw their hero was dead, they turned and they fled. Can you imagine being in the Israelite army, watching as this once seemingly unconquerable army, unwinnable situation, turn and run away? And suddenly you realize that all along the battle wasn't about our swords or spears or our perspective of having to save ourselves, but putting in our hope in the one who has come to fight on our behalf. Now that does not mean we have no part to play. No, David didn't just arrive to the battle lines and say, what a terrible situation. I'm just going to watch and see what happens. Our hope is not a spectating kind of hope. It's causing action all the time in our lives. It's a hope that shapes the way we think, the way we live, the way we move through our battles. David spent years picking up stones. For years it was practiced, tested, and approved over and over. And so when his moment came, he was not going to hide. He was not content to see the enemy overwhelm his life or his friends along the battle line. When the giant stepped up, David stepped higher, moved faster, charged further. And even in our own battle, God will resource us with what we need. He will be with us through the battle, but we have a part to play. Don't miss your opportunity to step up when your time comes, to throw your rock when your moment comes, as you will be moved through a greater purpose and towards a greater purpose ahead. See, it's our participation through the battle that shapes our character, increases faith, and prepares us for the greater things. But just believing in your rock is not enough. You have to be willing and prepared to step out and throw it. The theme that stands out through this whole passage hangs on a very simple phrase. is David and what he believes through the battle. I hope that is as true today as it was then. He says in verse 47, the battle is the Lord's. It's this belief that had the power to turn the tide of Israel's battle, enabled them to pass through the valley towards a victory. And David's victory was, in fact, a foreshadow of what Jesus came to accomplish for us. The hope of David fully revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, who has battled on our behalf. I wonder what battles 
you might have where you need hope today. This past week, I sat with a dear friend of mine. in a palliative care unit, in a hospital. And we talked about hope. How our hope in Christ is not the size of our battle, not our capacity to deal with it, but hope through a promise sealed at a victory Jesus won at a cross on our behalf because he loves us. Hope through whatever valley we must pass through because of a rock that was rolled away from a tomb 2,000 years ago. And Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome. That's the kind of hope you can build your life around. question is, are we ready to follow him through our battle? Oh, I love the, the Lord of the Rings book where Sam says to Frodo, it's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad has happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing. Even darkness must pass. Recognize the real battle as you seek God's perspective in prayer and scripture, whatever you're facing. Prepare for battle. Let your private, personal disciplines, as you're out in the wilderness, prepare you for the greater things yet ahead. Act in the battle. Let your hope in the Lord inspire real life action in the way you choose to live your life. Believe in the battle. That it's not the size of the giant, but the power in the name of the Lord that will secure our victory. When we do this, we're gonna emerge stronger. Would you read with me Psalm 33, verses 12 through 22? It says this, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death, to keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. 
He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that through our battle, you are with us. You are our hope and you have secured our victory because of your work at the cross and what you've done and we've been witness to. We can trust that whatever our battle, whatever rocks that we have come along on our path, that you will turn it into a testimony of your great love and your victory in due season. That you will use us to shape our character, to prepare us for greater things yet ahead. And perhaps it is today that you feel that your life is going through a storm, that you look at the images around us that we get invaded by each day on the media, and we see a world desperate for hope. We're at times that they've erected monuments of hope that said we finally arrived and we see them being struck down and torn down time and time again. Father, I pray that you would use this season to strip away any other hope that is not in you, that you would be our secure foundation for moving forward ahead. And if you feel like your life is in a storm, Father, I pray that you right now would begin to touch hearts and minds, that they would see storms as a moment of opportunity that they can ride higher and rise further in a storm. They can ride the waves that come. They do not need to be tossed around by opinions or ideas other than that of what a hope that is secure in you. That in fact, when the storms come, it's an opportunity to rise higher than we've ever risen before. That we can emerge stronger. And if you have not put your hope in the Lord and, and this is a day where you say, I need to choose to start following Jesus through my battle, I wanna give you opportunity. Mark 1, 14, Jesus says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is, is, is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Repent, it means I'm gonna change my mind. I'm gonna change direction to put Jesus back on the throne of my life. I'm gonna align with the following of him. And I confess, Lord, that there are times that we need to see this, all the things stripped away of our lives so we can see things as they really are that the idols get stripped down. We say, God, I have to see you through the storm to reach out and trust you. And if that's you today, I'm saying, I'm gonna invite opportunity. You can just uh, ask for, uh, for prayer. You can raise your hand of commitment right now. There's an online opportunity to do that even now and say, yes, God, I need to start following you through my battle. Maybe it's for the first time. Or maybe you've, you're feeling like I've lost battles in the past and you've gotten off track and you say, I need to start realigning my life once again. I confess I need you as Savior. I need to put you back on the throne of my life because I don't want to miss my opportunity. I don't want to shrink back. I want to move forward with hope. I want to take my rock and throw it when my time comes. And I'm not gonna miss this moment to emerge stronger through the battle. I'm putting my hope in you.
don't miss your moment. And if that's you, there are people that want to pray with you right now. Pastors that want to talk with you and help you and encourage you towards that choice. But let's finish with worship. That's appropriate. When we know he's won the victory for us, it says the Israelite army cheered and they rushed forward and pursued the enemy. And right now as we worship, we're cheering as we push forward with hope ahead. So let's worship now. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.